0: This story comes from Hosea, um, verse, chapters 1 to 3. All right, here goes. Welcome to my life. This story is one about a girl that I met that made me think damn, one day she could be my wife. She was beautiful, smart, quick witted, and before I knew it, I was smitten. At the start, I didn't even know her name, but she didn't know mine either. We didn't seem to move in the same circles, but eventually a friend of a friend introduced her. And we hit it off. Right away, that first night, we laughed, we talked, we ate. And when it came time to leave, like a protesting child, she wouldn't go. Instead, in my car, she tucked herself up under my arm, closed her eyes, and fell asleep. Weeks passed, and I almost saw her on the daily, never just, always just me and her, never anyone else. She would say, all that matters is me and you, baby. But then weeks turned into months, and our rendezvous became more sporadic. She'd say, oh, I'm working late, or I'm not feeling well. Sorry, I can't make it. But I was falling for this girl. I couldn't deny my heart, and when we would get together, my worries, my suspicions, they would go by the by. It wasn't until one night I was hanging out with my mates, hanging out with friends, because once again, I had been stood up by my date, that one of them asked me, you know about her family, eh? To which I said, no? And his eyes quickly darted away, from mine. Oh, he said, I mean, it's just a story that could be anyone else's. Her mum's just never been around much, so now neither is her dad. It's mostly just the four of them, her and her brothers keeping house. I don't know. I mean, you know how people talk. I don't really know the truth, but I just thought that you should know. I figured you wouldn't. I mean, who wants to tell that story? If you wanted someone to love you, you would feel like probably you shouldn't. But like I said, man, um, I don't really know. In fact, just forget what I said. Come on, let's go. But I couldn't forget it. I put my hand in my pocket, fingers closing around the box that held the ring that I'd got her. I pulled out the box and exposed it to my friends. I got this, I announced. Tonight, I was going to ask her, but now that you've told me that, I don't know, should I trust her? I get why she wouldn't want to talk about it, you know, maybe fear of shame and judgment, but it's me, her closest one. She should know I wouldn't hurt her. My friends looked at the ground, not making eye contact, scuffed their shoes until one spoke up. Oh, look, I think that's awesome, dude, but I mean, it hasn't been that long." Are you sure? Are you sure that you've thought this through? Yeah, bro, said another. I think it's so cool too, but considering you don't know her past, are you sure? Are you sure it's the right thing to do? Do you know her friends? Have you seen her with them? Because word on the street is that she's hiding them for a reason. Look, bro, I I just reckon maybe you could do better. You know, at least take a little time, spend a little more time, just the two of you together. You're a good guy, my friend. I would hate to see you cut up. And I know, you know what they say, a leopard can't change its spots. Yeah, maybe get to know her family and her friends. Like we said, it hasn't been long. You two are still young, but look, maybe we're wrong. Okay, yeah, No, I get what you're saying, and you're probably right. Nothing wrong with keeping on waiting. I guess I should get going now, you know, call her, check in, see how she's doing. But um, thanks, guys. I guess I'll see you again soon. Yeah, hey again, everyone. I guess I should begin by letting you know. I didn't take their advice. The heart wants what it wants. I asked my girl to be my wife. And she said, yes, no hesitation. And I know people had their qualms about it, but man, we were elated. We actually got married just three months later. It was supposed to be a garden wedding, but the weather forbade it. And I know people say rain on your wedding day is bad luck, but four years on, three beautiful children later. We've proved that superstition so wrong. We were so happy, caring for our little family. The kids were tiring, but they were sweet, and I couldn't imagine how it could be any better than this. I'd met my wife's family, and sure, they had their troubles, like anyone. I also met her friends, and they were fun. They were just girls. They seemed completely harmless. But every now and then I would catch my wife looking down, and the thought would cross my mind. Was I being just a little bit too proud? Was my desire to prove my friends wrong possibly clouding my judgment? But I felt my face. No, I don't think I was wearing rose-tinted glasses. We were happy, right? We were settled, right? I mean... It was only recent that she randomly hadn't made it home one night. She was with her mum, she said, just needed a break from the kids. They'd been doing her head in, and she was beginning to lose who she was. As a person, an individual, and I hope that included as my wife, but I didn't say anything. Instead, I rubbed her back and said, oh, honey, that's fine. And then when she didn't make it home, once again I made sure I got things tidied, cooked dinner, had the kids in bed, so that when she did come home, it could be just the two of us, like it used to be back in the day. But she didn't make it home until late in the night, more like early morning, that would be right. And I was already asleep, conked out after a day of being dad. It was no surprise that I didn't even feel her crawl into bed, that I didn't even feel the mattress quiver under my head with each sob. As my wife cried herself to sleep, I was blissfully unaware. It wouldn't be until the morning when I saw those new earrings sitting right there, staring up at me from the kitchen counter as I moved her handbag to make room for the wheat picks, I gasped and said to myself, she isn't. Oh, those, she said. They belong to a friend. Which one, I asked? Oh, you remember, just one of the girls from back in the day, before we met, you know? Uh, sorry, I meant to say. But don't worry about it, I'll put them away. I don't even really like them, you know, I'll give them back to her someday. But thanks for looking after the kids, my love. I need this time for myself. Helps me to feel like me again, not just an empty shell. I'll try to be home to see them tonight, read them a story, kiss their head, turn out the light. But I might actually have to go away for a week or so. I'll I'll call from work and let you know. A business trip or something. Um, I wish I didn't have to go. But of course she did, she had to go, and I was left there once more on my own. And the thing about that, about time on your own, is that it leaves far too much time free for your mind to roam. I held those earrings in my hand. They looked so new, so shiny, but I didn't want to let myself even think that they could be from another man. Was I not doing enough? It certainly felt like I was doing more than my fair share, but maybe I could work harder and make her time here easier, make her feel more loved. Even though it felt like I already was going above and beyond, I would try harder to keep my wife by my side and our family together. Yeah, no, so the story doesn't get any better. The earrings, they gained a matching necklace and a brooch to be worn with a new sweater. And the hardest part was I knew the kids saw. I knew they missed their mum and I knew that their little hearts were worried, concerned, confused by the upheaval. When's mummy coming home? Was a question I now answered without thinking. Soon. I'd say, at least trying to sound hopeful, but they never looked convinced, and it made me feel awful. What more could I do? I wanted to protect those kids, but cutting out their mum just didn't seem like a good fix. But she was so tired now, whenever she was home. She'd spend most of her time in bed, eyes red, hardly a mum anymore. What had happened? I asked myself, though I didn't want an honest answer. And if I was being truthful, it's because I already had one. I knew what she was up to. I knew what she had done. And I knew what she would keep doing. My friends, they'd warned me to run, or at least to hold off and really get to know this girl. But I guess now I'd accepted it. This was my world, because I'd chosen to marry her. And I would stand by that vow, but when I knew what she was up to, I just didn't know how. How could I pretend that it was all okay? How could I lie to my kids and explain it all away? They too deserved the truth, if even as a warning, so they could see the reality how what their mum was doing was destroying our home and our family. But turns out I didn't have to wonder how. For too long, one morning I got up to an empty bed. She was gone. And she'd left a note confirming my greatest fears. She'd found love in another's arms. And she'd gone there. To what? To find herself again or some rubbish like that? Were we not enough? After all, the kids were her own flesh and blood. But I knew now that they weren't mine. Yet I was all they had. Three helpless children, and I, their supposed dad. And to be honest with you all, I'm still pretty livid, even though it's been a couple of months now. I don't know that I'll forgive her. But the story, unfortunately, still it gets worse. Though not for me this time. I guess I've plateaued at the bottom. But for my runaway wife, her chosen life was still causing her strife. I don't know really why I'm even asking for help or advice about someone who clearly doesn't want to be mine, but it's just that every time I look at our kids, it's so evident I was right. Cutting out their mum is not the right fix. So ever since I heard about her latest misadventure, I can't get her out of my head. I'm just looking for any way to see her. Unsurprisingly, it turns out her lover didn't really love her. He loved the scandal, the forbidden situation, that he could take someone else's wife and treat her to a marriage vacation. So when that was over, once she'd up and left us, the shine wore off, and this man was stuck with a broken woman, still unhealed from her past, A desperate heart that cried out for love, yet it looked in all the wrong places. And so the new man told her, look, I really can't take this. So out she was turfed on her own in the city, and her only option was to find another man who would pity her and her broken heart and be okay with her mess. But every man she found was shallow and so not impressed. And my runaway wife became more and more ruined as she thought back to our life and the home that she had thrown away. And for what? To be homeless and dirty? To be passed around like a piece of meat? To become more and more worthless until the point now she had no shoes on her feet because she'd have to sell it all simply to stay alive. She had sold all that she had, her possessions, her body too, and all it had brought her was this non-existent life. What had started so fun, so freeing and so nice had now trapped her in shackles and stolen her light. And now she stood high on that stage in a dingy, tacky hall wondering how much some man would pay for a night of something that she knew would make her sick. And as she stood there, she thought, this is it. She thought, this is my lot. This is what I deserve. If, no wonder he hasn't come for me. If I were him, I would desert me. So my wife doesn't know this, but I was actually there in that awful club observing her lifeless stare watching as the grubby hand of that night's highest bidder reached up to the stage to lead her off. Down that same disgusting path she'd walked time and time again to once more try and find love in the arms of other men. And I should have been so angry to see my wife there, to catch her in the act, but my heart was breaking for her instead, and I wept. I wept for the life that we once had built. And I wept for the wounds that told her this was it for her. I wept for the love that I knew I still had to share with her. And I wept for the price that I didn't know whether I could pay for her. So yeah, that's what brings me here today to ask for your advice on what I should say, what I should do. Should I get her back? If I do, then it means, well, me and the kids will probably have to go without for a while at least to save up the price that I'd need to go and buy back my own wife. And then I wonder, would she even want to come to return to the life? She made very clear she didn't want. But I don't know, man, I, I really want to do it. But is it too risky? Would I be being stupid? Okay, (laughs) let me start by making it clear, right? I'm sorry, but I couldn't take your well-meaning advice. I had to go and buy back my wife. Again, I was there in that horrible club. As the bidding started into my pockets, I dug and I pulled out handfuls of cash, did a quick tally, knowing that our bank was now empty poured out for this woman I loved in the desperate hope that she too would still love me and the kids and that she'd come back home. We were ready, we were waiting, we wanted her back all for our own. The auctioning process made me feel sick that they could sell off these women just like they were pigs, or cattle or some other kind of livestock, like they were no longer human and instead just products. Products to be bought and traded for the buyer's benefit, not theirs. So I boldly put up my hand, $100 here. I bid back and forth with this gross-looking guy. He kept pushing it up, and I wanted to scream, Why? Do you not see what I'm trying to do? That woman is my wife, and she doesn't belong with you. She belongs with me, with her family, with the ones that can actually love her, the ones who really care, the ones that will heal her. But of course he didn't know that. But he was also losing steam. His bids were getting smaller. I thought, maybe I'll be the winning team. But my cash wad was getting lesser. In fact, suddenly it was all gone, and he had the top bid. What had I done? I'd come here to be the hero, to buy back my wife. But I didn't even have enough money. But I heard myself say, "Okay, take my ride." And I held up my car keys and added them to the cash. It's only a Honda Fit, good runabout, nothing flash. The one running the auction looked bewildered, but also really tired. He just shrugged his shoulders and looked to the other guy. Can you do any better? He asked the gross man. She's not worth it, he said, and held up his hands. And he walked away. And I was pushed towards the stage to claim my prize that apparently wasn't even worth the price that I had paid. And I had paid quite literally my all but it's okay, because I knew what she was worth. I reached up my hands to help her get down, but when she looked in my eyes, I suddenly couldn't see her through mine. Hot, fat tears started rolling down my cheeks. You're home, I whispered, as I felt her knees give way, and she fell into my arms, and not for a moment did it feel like she didn't belong. Right there, with me. Well, she's been home a week now, and we're taking things slow, but I just want to make clear how, how much the love of a family who cares can start to mend a broken heart and allow old wounds the chance to heal. I'll never know why she didn't get it at the start that this was her home. I wasn't going anywhere But if the journey she took was the journey it takes for her to really know her worth and for her to really know her place, that she is at home in my heart and in my arms, then her journey I can live with, and I hope she knows I will never be far. In fact, I will always be closer, closer than she knows, relentlessly pursuing her no matter how far she goes. Because that's what love is that no matter what the cost, that he would pay what he had to to get back what one had lost, that he would put himself out there, not minding the risk, to simply know that he did what he did because it was all he could for his loved one to know that he would never let her go again. And I know it's so cheesy to make this all about me, but my name's Hosea, and my wife, Goma, she's the one I need. I know that she's still broken, and I know that healing takes time, but I just want her to know that she will always be mine. And my God has asked me to share this story with you all so that you might know what the events of Christmas were for. God sent his son, a tiny baby, to this earth to show his people how much he loved them, to show his people their worth. But his baby boy is only the beginning of the story. But let's never forget that the story begins with love, a love so relentless, he sent a gift from above. And the gift was himself, God in human form, born to live amongst the people who had scorned him, who had turned their backs on him, disrespected him, gave up on him, ran away from him. The gift was a baby, so lovely and pure, sinless and perfect, a real jewel of the earth. And he was given to people who'd forgotten how to love But by this baby's very presence, God said from above, you are my people, and you are dearly loved. And this little baby here, he is my son. And I give you my son. I give you all of me to show you I still care and to plant hope, peace, and joy throughout you all this year. And throughout the years to come, this baby will prove that relentless love, even the hardest hearts, it can move. I want you to know that you are my children. I am your father. And there are no lengths to which I would have not gone to win you back, to turn your hearts and to let you know that you are loved. You are worthy and you are mine. Father God, we thank you that Christmas time spells out the beginning of your story of amazing, relentless love. Lord God, will we never forget that, that it is all because you loved us. And I pray that as we go throughout the next few weeks, that we would remember that your story begins with love. Your love for us and your care for us and your compassion for us. In Jesus' name, amen.